Carol Valley. And I'm Kate Valley. And this is Friday Night at Blockbuster, the podcast about our favorite movies from the 2000s. Before we get into the movie this week, two points of order that we have to talk about, we have to take care of. Oh boy, very official. First thing, we are recording this mere hours before the Academy Award nominations are released. They are going to be released tomorrow at like 8 o'clock, I think, our time. 8 o'clock in the morning, our time. So we are quite literally less than 12 hours away. I think people definitely look at us as the preeminent Oscar scholars and Oscar historians. Maybe you, maybe not me. (laughs) No, no, no. No, no, no. I think the people who listen to us say to themselves, these two, they know what's going on. They've got their fingers on the pulse. They've got the inside scoop. Some influence. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe, yeah. Maybe not some influence, (laughs) but definitely we know what's going on. With that being said, I think a more fun, like we can, we can react to what ends up happening when when they happen next week, when they happen. I, I kind of, I think it would be a little bit more fun to maybe look forward tonight. Okay. This week. But not necessarily look forward to what is going to happen or or to who is going to be nominated, but maybe look forward to who might not be nominated. Okay. And, and I don't I don't well that's that's how I'm doing it. Now you might have I just said I wanted a hot take from you. I wanted an Oscar nomination yeah. hot take. I did who I didn't think was gonna win. I picked other winners that I think well, those are those are winners. I asked for nominations. You can't even do the proof right. I said I want Oscar nomination hot takes. Okay. Well, one of them might be a nomination. Then. Okay. She, yeah. Okay. okay. I I took that as I'm I'm going out on a limb and I'm saying two people who aren't going to be nominated who I will be disappointed if this comes to pass. Okay. Okay. I don't. I want them to be nominated. I have a sneaking, unfortunate suspicion that they may not be. Okay. So, with that ramble out of the way, do you have how many do you have? How what what was your list here? Because I've got two. I've got two. Okay, so give me what's your first Oscar nomination hot take? So I think because from kind of the lists I was looking at, I think Greta Gerwig and Barbie could be nominated, and that's who I had as like a potential winner. I think <laughs> she. I think she's going to surpass all the men. That and... is that. Oh, you think they're going to win? Yeah, so that's like, I think oh, she's so going to get nominated. Oh, so you think they're going to be nominated and win? And win. Okay, because I was going to say, just being nominated, that's pretty tepid. That's yeah. not a very hot take. But I think she's going to surpass the men. And, and and win. And win. So she's going to win Best Director and Barbie's going to win Best Picture. Yeah. Well, I have a different Best Picture. Sorry. I have a different Best Picture. Okay. Um, so, but she'll I, win Best Director. But she'll win Best Director. I think I think Nolan might might come out and do it, but I... Maybe she'll sneak past and stuff. And then the other one, because I misunderstood our little game here. Yes. <laughs> Literally so. five minutes before we sat down to record, I said, give me your Oscar nomination hot take. You seem to uh, misunderstand that and you've gone off in your yeah. own direction. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long weekend here. So my other one is, and I think it would get nominated, but I think Past Lives might come out a winner. Nominated for what? Best Picture. And you think it's going to win Best Picture? Yeah, I think they'll be different this year. You think Past Lives is going to win Best Picture? That is like lava hot take because I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, (laughs) What are yours? Well, not to rain on your Greta Gerwig parade, (laughs) I have a sneaking suspicion that she's not going to be nominated for Best Director. Oh, you don't think she's going to be nominated at all? No. Okay. You think it's going to be a boys club? I don't think it's going to be a boys club. I think... The only certainty is that Christopher Nolan is being nominated. I think the other four best director spots are kind of up in the air. Okay. And that's why I think she may get pushed out. Now she's like, she's been nominated a lot of the precursors. So that's why this is a hot take because historically, like if you get nominated for X, Y, and Z, you do then tend to be nominated for the Academy Award as well. I just think that the love for Barbie is not actually really there and that they may squeeze her and Barbie out of certain categories that five, six months ago we thought, oh, they're a lock for that. 
I think we said it before, or I said it last week or a couple weeks ago. I think Barbie's going to be that fan favorite. Oh, yeah. But, like, in the academy, in the snooty upper upper brow men of the world, I don't know if it kind of well, still there. <laughs> I kind of think it's only going to win maybe one or two awards. Yeah. And they're going to be, like, in the song categories. My other one, and this is not to pick on Barbie. Okay. This is not to pick on Barbie because I did enjoy Barbie and I've, I'm on the record as enjoying Barbie. I also don't think Margot Robbie's going to be nominated for Best Actress. Okay. Yeah. That From what I was kind of looking at, a lot of the lists I was looking at don't have her in there either. Yeah. So I don't think she's going to do it again. She has kind of been nominated for a lot of things. She did miss out on the BAFTA, but they're always kind of off doing their own thing anyways. Yeah. But there's, I just have this sneaking suspicion that... There are other movies that the Academy members are getting to see now, finally. Things like Anatomy of the Fall or, you know, even something like Past Lives. Yeah. And there, there is just that little bit of recency bias of like, oh, I just saw that and it's really good. And Sandra Holler or Greta Lee are really good in them. So I'm going to put them in instead. And it's sort of just like, I think Margot Robbie might be the odd one out here. I think she might be the odd one. Like I think, I think her and Gerwig will end up running like sixth place in a lot of these. Just kind of the, just, just outside, missing. just outside. Now I don't want either of them to miss. I would love both of them to be nominated. I don't think either of them will win, even if they are nominated. But those are those are my two hot takes. Those are the, my two hot takes. The one that I was going to include, but I was like, it would be. Even worse than, or even more outside of the realm of Past Lives winning Best Picture. That is not <laughs> happening. I'll tell you right that right now. Past Lives is not even a guarantee to be nominated for Best Picture out of the 10 movies. Like, Is, I would love to see Flora and Son, obviously, because that was my favorite one. I would love to see it nominated for something. But like, I don't even think it's getting nominated for anything. Well, the, so, the only shot. Maybe it, song. The only shot it has is song. That's yeah. kind of the only shot it's got. Um, it would be shocking if it showed up anywhere else. Like, yeah. it would be great, but it would be shocking. Yeah, so, so... We'll see. We'll see. Okay, what's your second point of... Second point of order. Yeah. Before we get into the movie this week. It's time for another movie challenge for you. <laughs> Just for me, though. Yeah. Well, like, I'll probably... I'll end up watching this movie as well. Okay. But it is... Yeah. It is just for you. So, we went on to our favorite letterbox. We went into the most popular movies of all time. And we filtered through the list from the things that you had seen and the things that you hadn't seen. And of course, because it's a movie rating website and a movie watching website, all the movies are from like the 1990s and onwards. <laughs> I was curious if you would bring up the little yeah. filter by. <laughs> yeah. And so we couldn't do that. We couldn't have it from the 1990s. We, I might give you some more modern challenges along the way, but we still got to get you to watch older movies. And so there were three movies, the top three movies that you hadn't seen that were from before the 1990s were The Shining, which I sort of assumed was a no-go zone. Already tossed out. Yeah. Taxi Driver, which to be fair, I don't know how you would feel about it, but it might actually be scarier than The Shining in some <laughs> respects, given our current political climate. And then 2001 A Space Odyssey. And so once I saw that, I sort of said to myself, oh, that's the movie Kate needs to watch <laughs> before next week. So with the challenge. Yes. I'm just curious, like, what do you even think 2001 A Space Odyssey is about? Um, I assume something to do with space. That's probably a safe bet. I think it's a safe bet. Um, I know it gets, I don't even want to say parodied because that's not the right word has influence on other movies. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. I know the trailer, I believe, or the opening of Barbie was kind of inspired by it. Cause I think we've talked about this before and almost I kinda... like shot for shot. Inspired, yeah. To be <laughs> and... fair. Like, yes, it's just like, a sh like I loved it. I thought it was hilarious, but it's like a straight rip off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of where it, I think ends for me. Okay. That I know it has influenced other movies. Kind of since it came out. I won't give too much away now because you'll end up watching the movie before next week and, and we can have a discussion then. It will be challenging 
Okay, so it's a good challenge. <laughs> it will be challenging. Yeah, like the, this movie, um, like once you sort of break it down, okay, it does make some sense as to what he's doing. But like this is like we've talked before about movies that don't hold your hand. This is like one of the ultimate not holding your hand. Like you need to figure Perfect. out, you need to figure out what's going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like it will definitely be challenging for you. It is slow in parts, but at the same time, I think some of the ideas and some of the questions that it'll be asking might get your brain sort of running. Okay. And like, that's why it's like a great movie to go back and watch a lot because you can then just sit there and, and sort of pick out different things and apply them to, you know, whatever you're, whatever. you're, you're thinking about whatever's on your brain at the time. Okay. And, um, yeah, it's just like, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. When was the last time you watched it? Um, I watched it in part over the pandemic because I think mom watched it for like the first time in years and years okay. and years. The last time I watched it would have been the 50th anniversary uh, because they did a special 70 millimeter print restored footage, all that sort of stuff. And they they went around to certain cinemas in certain cities and whatnot and i went up to toronto to watch it oh, okay at, at the tiff light box and was just like you know it's like it was optimal viewing like it was a great screen great theater great sound incredible crowd who like you know we were all there to watch the movie so yeah it was kind of one of those like i could watch this movie a hundred times in the rest of my life and it'll probably never be better than that time at tiff so I haven't watched it in probably four or five years, so I'll definitely, I'll watch it this week. Okay. I'll watch it this week, and then, yeah, and have a little discussion about 2001 <laughs> A Space Odyssey. Yay. Will this be your first Stanley Kubrick movie? Because, like, the only one that I can maybe imagine that you've watched is Spartacus. But I don't believe you would have seen something like Eyes Wide Shut. I don't think you would have seen, well, you obviously haven't seen this. You haven't seen Lolita, probably. Nope, this will be my first one. This will be your first Stanley Kubrick. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So we'll we'll have we'll have something to talk about. We'll have something to talk <laughs> <Great>. about. Great. <laughs> Whether you like it, dislike it, we'll okay. have something to talk about. So yeah, that'll be for next week. So that'll be your challenge before next week's movie. Well, let's talk about a movie that I know I like. <laughs> yeah, we can jump into this week's movie. And so this week we are going back to April fifteenth, two thousand and five which is the Friday that we could have, and we very well may have rented Ocean's 12. Yeah. I actually don't remember the first time I did watch it, but like we've said before when we did Ocean's 11 last year, this was always a movie where if we were trying to decide on a Friday night what to watch, one of us could suggest this, and we we're like, yeah, sure, perfect. Like I, I also, like, I can't remember the first time I saw this, but I would have probably been about 15 at the time that this came out. I definitely had seen and loved Ocean's Eleven by this time. So, like, the fact that there was a sequel coming out, I definitely didn't see it in theaters. But, yeah, this would have been a, like, oh, it's in Blockbuster, it's on the shelf, we're taking that home. Yeah. Yeah. So. Easy. Easy. So, last week, you said that this was your favorite of the trilogy. Yes. I've since found out that it's also Soderbergh's favorite of the trilogy. Really? So, you're in good company oh. there. Why does Ocean's Twelve stand out? In, in the trilogy here for you. So I love that it's set in Europe um, because I'm a big Europe person. I love the Tallur character. We'll get to Tallur. <laughs> we'll get to him. <laughs> I love his character and his whole persona. And then I just, I find it such a smart movie. Um, so like the big reveal at the end, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well. Like, that whole reveal and all the things that they had to do to get to that point. Every time I'm just like, oh, yeah, like, they had to do this so that it looked like this or whatever. Like, I just find it so clever. Let's just start from the beginning. Okay. Let's just start. Where, where does this line up for you, though, in the trilogy? Uh, Probably second because okay. it's it's definitely the second. It's the, the one that I've seen the second most. Okay. I don't often go back to Ocean's 13. Maybe we'll get there on this podcast. <laughs> I probably should just check it out because now we've got 11, 11 and 12, 12 are kind of so fresh in my memory. But 11 I can take as like a standalone movie. Okay. I, can, I can just put that on whenever and just enjoy it and have a good time and not necessarily 
feel the need to do 12 and 13. I can also do that a little bit with 12 uh, because it is quite different, I yeah. find. Um, but 13, I, I just tend not to go back to very often. So for me, it is 11, 12, 13. Oh, okay. But let's just start from the very beginning. So in Ocean's 11, we get all of the introductions to our characters as sort of the team is coming together. They mirror that this time by sort of, you know, we're now three years down the road. Everyone's off doing their own things. And Terry Benedict is slowly going around and finding everybody and letting them know that they owe him money. Yeah. I love it. I I love love the introductions. <laughs> I love that we see where everybody is. Some people have moved on. Some people are better. Some people are worse. Um, but yeah, I just like every single time you sort of go to a new person, a new area around the country, you're sort of like, oh yeah, here we go. And like all their personalities are the exact same. I think all of the things that they're doing in life makes sense for who oh, they yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah. Yeah. I just, I love it. The only question that I had watching it the other night was, do you think George Clooney is the first person that Benedict goes to or the last person that he goes to? Oh. Because every time that he finds one of the, the, the crew members, they're always surprised that he has found them. But presumably somebody was found first and somebody was found last. And so nobody in the crew warns anybody else that hey terry's going around uh like he knows where we all are and he's asking for his money back i'm now thinking about it i wonder if he's last because him and julia roberts have that line that she says the the water the the water's in the basement and the pilot lights out so i wonder if that's him having heard terry's going around possibly and if he shows up say this and i know to disappear get out of of dodge and stuff so yeah i wonder if he's last my question for you though is do you have a favorite intro of people oh it's brad pitt's intro really (laughs) brad like we'll get into it this is kind of brad pitt's movie this kind of rusty's movie yeah um but yeah his intro where you find out that he's blown all of his money on a hotel and that one of the guests in there is a goth topher grace who is like (laughs) on the brink of disaster and he's just in there being like you know i quit the show and he's obviously talking about the 70s show i phoned in the dennis quaid movie which is a real movie oh was it yes that is a real movie which like he's pretty good in but it's it's an okay movie it's not very good um and then he's just like in pure self-destruction mode because he's in love with some girl who's just a to quote him a bitch and then (laughs) and then rusty is kind of like okay i need to just exit this situation and he walks outside and his car blows up yeah and you're just like okay here we go here we go movie starts so i really like bashers oh um, bashers is good because i yeah. once again for me it's just that little bit clever yeah where he's swearing in his song and they need to bleep it so that they'll play it and then every try every time they go to bleep it the phone rings and stuff and i'm just like oh just so clever we did say last week that we would Try and figure out why people didn't love this as much as Ocean's. Oh, yes, I forgot. As Ocean's Eleven. Well, thank God one of us. <laughs> does the homework? Does the homework. Like I said, it's been a rough week for me this week. <laughs> but once he does that, he sort of, I, that's when I'm like, okay, that's the inciting incident. That's when the movie starts because he's now found everybody. He's told them that they owe him all the money they stole plus interest. We get that great scene where they come together in the warehouse or whatever and they all say their amounts and, and they all say their amounts and they all say how much they owe and you know because of the interest they're all it, it, it kills all of them like even yeah. somebody like damon who only spent a million yeah i, I like what did, what did they make like 13 or 14 million each or yeah. something like that and yeah he only spent one million but then because of the interest he actually owes seven and you're yeah. just like oh my god that for me is when the movie starts we might get to Another scene where I think other people are like, okay, that's when the movie starts. Okay. Which is an hour down the road. Uh, And I think that's one of the reasons why people didn't necessarily take to this movie. Because it is, the structure is a little bit different. It's a little bit off. There's not one job that they're working towards and planning towards. There's a lot of like little jobs along the way. And then a big competition. It's not even really a job. It's like a competition. Yeah. In the second half of the movie. It's a challenge. Yeah. 
But yeah, just that scene alone though, where they're all talking, like, I just love that they sit there and the biggest concern in the group is that Terry Benedict said that this was the Ocean's <laughs> Eleven job and they're sitting there being like, I thought we all agreed that we would call it the Benedict job and it just hurts that you get name recognition and the rest of us are sort of thrown to the scraps or whatever. For me, when I was watching it, I loved that. But I was sitting there being like, so they all at one point sat around and said, what are we going to call this? We're stealing from the sky. We need to have a cool name for it. Like <laughs> The Benedict job. That's a pretty good name. That is a cool to name. To be fair. And I love um, Saul, the yeah. old guy yeah. in it. Because everybody's kind of gearing up to take off and steal some more things. And he's kind of just like, nope. Like, Terry can come find me again. Like, I don't really care. This is, I'm retired now. Yeah. But like, yeah. he's Which, just like. like Ranking old timer, he calls himself. Like, that's fair enough. But, yeah, I, I just, I love the whole scene about, like, how much they owe and what they've spent their money on. And, like, it's essentially the exact same scene as in the first movie, as in Ocean's Eleven, when they all get together and they try to come up with a plan to rob the vault in the first place. And they're all sitting around and they're just throwing out ideas. Yeah. And then somebody else would be like, oh, well, actually, we can't do that because of this. In this one, they're saying, you know, I spent this amount of money and this is how much I owe. And then other people are like, how the hell did you spend? You know what I mean? Like, why are you spending that much money? Rusty's probably the best one in that scene, yeah. though. When yeah. he everybody goes around and it gets to Rusty and he's like, I owe 25. Yeah. Or whatever. And everybody just looks at him and he's like, it's the hotels, man. Which like, is, like <laughs> Yeah, he owes more than what he stole in the first place. What would you have spent your money on? You just you just robbed $14 million. What What are you spending the money on? Probably a house. Like not a house where? Come on, I, I wanna don't make me paint, paint the picture here. Don't don't make me be that that OLG guy where it's like dream bigger. Like, come on. This so, this is a an audio medium. You need to sort of you know paint the picture? Yeah, we can't we can't see the house. So for me, it would be a like probably house in Ireland, house in Europe. None of these guys seem to leave America. And I'm just like, you stole from the biggest guy in America right now? Like, I would be leaving the country. <laughs> I think it's I think it's like hubris. Like, they're sort of like, whatever. So, like, I would be getting out of the country. Um, but, yeah, probably Ireland or somewhere in Europe. Maybe a small little town. Me being practical. Nothing too crazy. Nothing like Yen's house, I think, is yeah. too big for one person. <laughs> and I on, think that's on why. On Miami Beach. And, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's why he always had. The parties, and it looks like his life is just now a constant party. But yeah, probably a big house and like a half decent car. Nothing too too crazy. What about you? No, I can't say. No. If I if I stole fourteen million, you never see me again. <laughs> That's it. I'm off the grid. I think if you stole a million, you'd go off grid, and we'd never see you again. I can't. Who were we talking to the other day? They said something about like a hundred grand, and I was like, I could live on that for six years. Like <laughs> yeah. that would be. You know, <laughs> So after the scene, we're we're off. They have yeah. a job in Europe. We finally get over to Europe. We get over to Amsterdam. Cool spot. Want to go there? Great spot. Great spot. Looks fantastic on the, yeah. in the movie. It's sort of everywhere they go. You're just Always like, looks good. Oh my god! Like they're only going to like Amsterdam, Paris, Rome. It's sort of like yeah. okay, it's it's all right <laughs> there for you. Just put a camera on the street corner and you're good to go. Yeah. We meet Matsui, and this might be my favorite scene of the movie. Really? Yeah. Because why? Well, I just I love that these movies just shit on Matt Damon for three <laughs> movies. He just gets shit on his character, and you know there is a little bit of like the meta ness of especially this movie. Like Eleven is a little bit thirteen. I, I I've already said I can't really speak to. It. I don't I don't watch thirteen that often, but I do find twelve is written almost as an inside joke amongst the cast. Like. Yeah. Scene after scene after scene, they're referencing themselves. And there's the scene on the plane where Matt Damon comes over to Brad Pitt and he's like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to yeah. have a little bit more on this one and like you know, step up a little bit. And at this stage, Matt Damon is an absolute A plus lister as he was in Ocean's Eleven. But you are like, yeah, but he's also sharing the screen with Brad Pitt and George Clooney who are definitely a plus plus listers <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so like there is that little bit 
of tongue-in-cheekness about Matt Damon being like, I really think I'm 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 ready for more. It's like the guy's a superstar. <laughs> like any movie would have him as the main character. And in the and in these movies, he's like not the run to the litter. <laughs> like everybody shits on him for the entire movie. I have a note saying that Linus is so different and sweet. Because well, yeah. like he really was like the scene on the plane where he's just trying to be like I've practiced and like I've learned and I've studied you and um, Danny like I've got this time like include me and so they all walk over and I think before they even meet him you're in Matt Damon's hotel room yeah and you can see just post-its on the wall and yeah. I was like that's him just having practiced previous meetings or like studied things or knowing what might be said and this is what he means or whatever and like the whole Matsui scene just makes me laugh because they're just talking in riddles that then eventually mean nothing. Well, like they just quite literally did it to get Matt Damon out, out of, of the, the room. Meeting. That's that's <laughs> the whole point of the scene. And the first time you watch the movie, you are sitting there. Like they they do tell you beforehand that like, you know, Matsui's got his own language. Yeah. You're sort of like, okay, so, you know, we'll be speaking in kind of code. And then you get there and the three, Matsui, Rusty, and Danny share stories and you're just like what the fuck are they talking about Matsui's whole thing about you know I watched my mom kill a spider with a tea cozy and then years later I realized it wasn't a spider it was my uncle Harold yeah you're like what somebody, what, does this, what does this mean somebody actually wrote that down on paper like what is happening here but it's because what we eventually find out is that they're doing a lost in translation trick on Linus Ed he then comes out with, I think it's I think it's Led Zeppelin lyrics, something, and yeah, and the three of them just look at him, and you're just like, well, he fucked up, <laughs> but but you don't know what he said or what he's done, but you just know based on the faces of the other three, you're just like, well, he screwed up here, but then you find out later on in the movie, it's like he could have said anything, yeah, and they would have. The, the line always would have been that he insulted the niece, yeah, yeah. who's seven. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> A very cheap whore yeah. who's who's in bed with something, but we can't know what it is. It's it's already too yeah. much. But I, I just, I, I think like that scene, there's a lot of scenes like this in the movie, but that scene just encapsulates the whole feeling and the vibe of this trilogy, but also this movie in particular, where it's like, they are quite literally just having a good time. Yeah. They are quite literally... Just having a European vacation paid for by the movie studio. And I think in your review, you talked about just using George Clooney's house. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> eventually we get there, but. <laughs> so, well, yeah, like, I I always loved the movie. I always thought it was pretty funny. I thought, you know, like you said, the European stuff, you're just like, oh my God. like Just, just looks nice. Just take me there right yeah. now. But I, I was also aware that people didn't like the movie. And. Somebody a few years ago, I can't honestly remember where I read it, but somebody a few years ago broke it down and they said, this isn't a heist movie. There's no heist in the movie. Like there is an 11. You know, yeah. They're working towards a job. That doesn't really happen in this movie at all. But what does happen in the movie is that they're all con men. They all con Tolur. They con Benedict. They con themselves sometimes they con Catherine zeta jones they con Catherine zeta jones that is the structure of this movie yeah. they are just it is all misdirection the entire movie is misdirection and the ultimate con job is that soderbergh george clooney brad pitt matt damon julia roberts all these people were like yeah we will do a sequel if you pay us to go to europe for a vacation at George Clooney's house. Like, can you imagine <laughs> having a house in Europe to then be like, yeah, you're going to pay me to go to my house. <laughs> and probably pay me to use my house. Pay me to use my house. Like, that is incredible. That is the ultimate con job. And they got away with it, as far as I'm concerned. And so when you look at it through sort of that lens, through the con man lens, instead of the heist movie lens, I think this movie is incredible. I guess I hadn't really thought of that until now. And I guess because they want you to believe that there is a heist. And yeah. at the reveal at the end, when you realize that the heist, A, it had already happened. Didn't Yeah, it doesn't exist. And they did it 
off screen beforehand, it is kind of like, oh, you you just played us to watch a two hour movie. Yeah. About nothing. <laughs> The, the like the almost the entire movie is inconsequential. Like, yeah, that's none of true. it actually matters. <laughs> and like there there are so many scenes and so many lines of dialogue where you're just like, this is great and this is funny and it's sharp and like you know they've got all like one liners back and forth and whatnot. But then by the end of the movie, you're like, none of that really mattered. Like nothing that they said ultimately made sense. Some of it you know doesn't even factor into the movie whatsoever. Yeah. But you're just like, I think I think it gets by purely on vibe. Where you're just like, this is the ultimate fun yeah. hangout movie. Like normally hangout movies, sometimes they can be fun. But it is just sort of a lot of characters just chilling. And basically they survive or they fail based on how good those characters are. And these are some of the best characters. Yeah. So you're just like, I just want to hang out in Europe. Yeah. At George Clooney's Lake Como yeah. House. I just want to watch you guys for two hours. That sounds great. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. So, yeah, like, I think I can understand, the more I've watched over the years, I think I can understand why people don't like it because it's not giving them the same sort of satisfaction that Eleven gives them. And I think even Thirteen, we kind of go back to a heist. And yeah. there, there is a there is a thing that they're trying to do. There's a goal that they're There's, trying to achieve. Yeah, I think Thirteen might be a bit more of like a 50-50 split because like there is a bit of the conning being conned. I don't know what the, yeah. um, as well as like there is a heist. They're kind of doing both well, I think in 13. The, the big thing with 13 is that they're not necessarily trying to get away with the money. Yeah. They're just trying to have the most money leave the casino at the exact same time. Yeah. But they're not necessarily trying to rob it for themselves. But yeah, I think, I think with 13 and with 11, a lot of the movie is planning and then the last 30, 40 minutes is, okay, here's the job. Yeah. Like, you know, you've watched us plan this thing. Here you go. Whereas with 12, there there's an hour before they meet Tallur. Yeah, that's true. It's a two hour movie and, and Tallur doesn't even come into it until an hour into the movie. And so then they sort of just get rid of it. Like that, that first hour is the heist movie. They get caught by Benedict. They get over to Amsterdam, they're given a job, they carry out the job, and then we meet Tallur and he gives them the challenge for the second half of the movie. In the second half of the movie, there's no heist in yeah. it whatsoever. And I kind of, I like, I love that they just played around. They just messed around with it. And like we are saying, like, they're just having a good time. Yeah. That's kind of what I want from these movies. Yeah, I don't think I ever put them on and I'm never not disappointed in them. I'm always no. kind of just like, well, that no. was a good two hours. Exactly. Like. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to hear from people who don't like 12. But kind of tell us why. <laughs> kind of. So, yeah. Like, like I was reading comments. I was reading things online, sort of being like, it's indulgent and whatnot. I was sort of like, yeah, but I, when it's this indulgent and it's, but it's also this good. It's sort of like, I like. Yeah. Indulge. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're, you're in Rome, you're in Amsterdam, you're in Paris, you're in, you know. All these great locations. Yeah, indulge. Yeah, please, just indulge. Have fun. <laughs> so, like we said, this is kind of Rusty's movie. This is Brad Pitt's movie. Yeah. George Clooney, he gets the love story in the first one. We sort of find out, you know, is he really here for the money or is he here for Julia Roberts' character? It's a little bit of a rerun with Brad yeah. Pitt where he suggests Amsterdam because he knows that this long-lost love of his is still in Amsterdam. And he kind of wants to just check in on her. Creepy stare at her from like a across the bit, rivers. A little bit. Although like to be fair, to be fair. <laughs> she then was creeping on him. So. She was also creeping on him. But if you discovered that Brad Pitt was kind of creepily staring at you, would you then consider it creepily staring or would you just be like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, the one, keep going. Photo, the one photo they show of him is like him behind a tree eating a cupcake or something. Yeah, so well, he's always eating. That's I didn't make a note. I was like, I think he always is eating or drinking in a scene. Something, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Again, like, can you imagine, like, if that was what you stipulated needed to happen on a movie? Where it's like every scene I'm in, I need to have food. Yeah, I need a snack of some kind. Just living the life. <laughs> but yeah, he gets the love story. The obvious wrinkle this time around is that he's in love with a police officer. Yeah, who's going for them? Who's like, yeah, her speciality is. 
robbery. Yeah. And major robbery at yeah. that. <laughs> and so she then quickly realizes, you know, like we said, there is a there is a heist in the first half of the movie. The wrinkle in that or, or the subversion in that is that they actually don't steal anything. Yeah. Because it was already stolen. But she then recognizes how they would have done it and then recognizes, okay, I think I know who did it. Yeah. And then that ball is rolling. We're now, it's a lit, it's not even really a cat and mouse thing because she knows he's there. He knows she knows he's there. And it's kind of, they just have to avoid her. It's kind of like, who's going to mess up first? Yeah. Like, is it going to be the guys in Ocean's Eleven or is it going to be her like not doing something because Rusty's a part of the yeah. group, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm trying to think though. Did they ever explain how Talur got into the house? No, but I think we're just meant to believe that like he is legitimately that great. Oh, okay. And like he, you know, we when we get to Talur, he eventually <laughs> does show us how he does steal the Fabergé egg, and so yes. you're sort of like, okay, he actually is that great. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think I think we're just meant to. Just believe. know that he's better. He is actually better. Yeah. <laughs> they might be a little bit more resourceful, but he is a better thief than they are. But um, what do you think of Catherine Zeta-Jones? How did how did you think she fits into the whole Ocean's team? So I was kind of looking back because when we did Ocean's Eleven last year, I did all three. I rewatched all three because although you view them as standalone, I tend to watch them as One, a two, trilogy. Three. Yeah. yeah. Usually kind of over a weekend or within kind of a week of each other. I like to do all three. And so I was looking back at my review of this one last year. And like she was my standout. Like I just loved her in this movie. Because I thought she did such a good job at playing kind of a cop who clearly has had a bit of a past. And knows that Rusty or Robert I think she calls him. Yeah. um, Was a thief. But she kind of. Didn't really do a whole lot to catch him originally because she did love him. But he then also found out that she knew that he had done it. Yeah. And like, so like they were kind of playing this game of like, well, I won't say anything if you don't say anything. (laughs) Well, that so here's actually, that's a good point. That's actually how the movie starts. We we sort of said that the movie starts with Benedict going around finding everybody. Yeah. It's not really how the movie starts. The movie starts with... A flashback. A flashback of Rusty and Catherine Zeta-Jones. I can't remember what her character name is. Isabel. Isabel. It starts with them and their relationship sort of years before Ocean's Eleven starts. And yes, she is on a job hunting down. There's been some heist that we then realize Rusty... Was a part of. Was a part of. Um, and she's slowly putting the, the pieces together and she starts telling him like, oh, we found this footprint and, you know, we got a hair sample and, you know, yeah. all this sort of stuff. And he's coming to the realization of like, oh, she's going to figure it out. She's going to catch me she's tomorrow. Gonna, she's going to catch me. And so he takes off yeah. without her knowing he's taking off. This time around, I watched that scene pretty closely because I was like, the thing I wanted to see was, does she know it's him? And she's telling him, we found all these things and I'm going to catch you. Or does she not know it's him and she's just telling him these things because that was her day at the office. Yeah. And I think she doesn't know it's him at that moment. Okay. I think I think she figures out it's him when he's already left. And I think when they have that scene together in this movie where she's like, I always knew it was you. I think that that's her sort of being like, you hurt me. And now I, you know, yeah, I'm sort of just being like, I, I always knew it was you. I always knew it was you. I don't think she actually she did. Because she goes back to sleep. Yeah. Like she kind of half wakes up as he comes in and she starts talking to him. Then he goes to have a shower and there's the shot of her rolling back into bed. And so, you know, you could say. Well, she's so comfortable and so confident that, you know, she's sort of like, well, I don't need to get him right this second. Yeah. But I, it, I, I if think. You, th- you think if she truly knew, she would have like leapt out of bed? Well, I don't know like... if she would have leapt out of bed, but I think there would have been like a smile or a smirk or a look or something where it's sort of like, you can then extrapolate and be like, she knows it's him and she's like just slowly closing the walls. Yeah. You okay. know what I mean? But I actually, this time around, I don't know if she knew it was him. Okay. You don't agree? Well, I think because I believe her later in the movie when she says... She knew it was him? She knew okay. it was him. 
And for me, like thinking about it now, like she does kind of openly talk about her work a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and like yep. maybe reveal a little bit too much about <laughs> other con men and things that they had done in the past. So like I kind of took that scene as maybe she didn't truly know that it was him. Maybe she thought it was somebody he knew or something like a connection. Because right. I think right. she knew Frank. Like him and she, Frank were she friends. She probably would have met Frank. And yeah. stuff. And so maybe she thought maybe it was more Frank or something. But yeah, for me, her kind of saying, well, we found a footprint. Like, if she didn't know it was him, you could have almost left it there. But because then she goes on to say, well, the left heel was really worn. Right. And like, oh, we found a hair. You could have left it there. But because she went on to go, she goes on to say, we'll know tomorrow if he has dandruff, if he... dyes his hair or what shampoo and conditioner like and then we see yeah, and like, he does all of those things and he does yeah. all those things so for me it was not just that she offered up a little bit of information but it was the detail in the information right okay okay this so. might be one of the great unknown questions in <laughs> cinema history did isabella Heary know rusty was the thief that she was chasing in the first it's like a minute and a half scene yeah it's like 90 seconds but um yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think she's great. I love her character. Yeah. Um, I love that she is, like, she's working with the authorities. She's a police officer, or she's a detective, I should say, or whatever. Um, but she's also, like, not above breaking the rules herself yeah. uh, to sort of get what she wants. And she has the same sort of determination and the same sort of resourcefulness that Rusty has. It's just they're on different sides yeah. of the coin, right? You know, not to bring Michael Mann into this, but that's like his whole filmography is basically like police officers and and thieves and criminals are like basically the same. They're just on different sides of this coin of this divide, but they're they're more or less in terms of like they do the same things. Yeah, like in terms of like how they go about their jobs and and you know the the procedures and whatnot. Like they're more or less the exact same. They're just on different sides of the divide. That's all. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do. I do like her, and I do like. I fucking love Brad Pitt in these movies. So like, you know, if this is Rusty's movie, thirteen again. I have to go. Back. I'm gonna have to go. Thirteen back. is kind of Matt Damon. Is that Matt? Because I remember like he has the quote unquote love story in thirteen, but the love story is part of the job. It's part so of it's the not, job. It's not real in the same way that Clooney's and, and Pitts are. I kind of always viewed thirteen as his. Because I find more scenes have him. Right, okay. Or, like, he he's kind of the center of a lot more of the scenes. Right. Or, like, comes up with the ideas of things that they end up eventually doing and stuff. Whereas this one, like you said, it's kind of everybody shit on Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, I think 13 is them kind of being like, no, like, he did a good job in Europe. He did do a good job in the first one. Like, his mom kind of... Eventually gets them out of the scrape of Europe. <laughs> well, <laughs> like... we'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, so we're now in Europe from, we've got the challenge from the Night Fox. So my question before the challenge though. Yeah. They're getting on a train and they're all talking about, well, he looks so good for being 50 or whatever. How old oh. was George Clooney in this movie? Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> so yeah, one of the very meta moments of the movie, and there are a lot of them. Is that they have a full-on discussion about how old George Clooney looks. Yes. As if he's Danny Ocean. And the line is that they, by this stage, they'd already been spotted by Isabel. So she had already clocked Rusty, Danny, and I think Yen. Uh, Yen. Yeah. And so she knew those three. She didn't know anybody else that was on the team, but she knew those three. And so they have to sneak out of their apartment by disguising themselves as members of Arsenal FC, yes. who are apparently in Europe. I don't know. In Amsterdam. Yeah. I don't know if it's part of the Champions League. I don't know if it's preseason friendlies. <laughs> but they go from Amsterdam to Barcelona, which doesn't Make often sense. happen. No, you would go to one and then go back to London and then back out again. But they disguise themselves as Arsenal. The scene implies players. I would have... Just sort of been like, well, they're coaches or trainers. Like, they're they're I, part of the management. But but they take it as players. And they have a full-on discussion that there's not many soccer teams who field 50-year-old players. Yes. And Clooney then says, 
well, Rusty's not 50. And they're like, yeah, we know Rusty's not 50. And, then, and they kind of just do a look to each other, like yeah. turn away from Danny. Yeah. And then, and then he has the whole conversation with Basher being like, how old do I look? And he's like 50 from the neck up. Yeah. So George Clooney was 42 okay. at the time of filming. So he was not 50. <laughs> but I, I just like, this is what I mean about these movies where it's like Matt Damon is willing to show up and be the butt of a lot of jokes. Clooney is willing to show up and be the butt of a lot of jokes. This is definitely Brad Pitt's movie, and he's kind of the star of this movie. But, like, he is made to look ridiculous. Yeah, in his silk suits. And... Time after time after time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, all these guys are, like, the coolest guys, but they're also made to be jokes at times. And you're sort of like, that's just great. Like, I love that they're willing to just poke fun at themselves. Now, that might be easier when you're hanging out at George Clooney's Lake Como Villa. <laughs> yeah, probably. For the summer and being paid millions of dollars. Maybe, I, I like, would be made fun of if I could hang out there. I'll take some jokes. I'll take some jokes if, if that's the trade-off. But yeah, I think it, like it seems like that where I think you either come down on the divide of like this scene was quite literally meaningless. Like, the, like that, that yeah. whole two-minute scene about how old George Clooney is means nothing. Doesn't add to the movie. Doesn't move the, story, the story for you. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Or you come down on the side of like, that is hilarious and that is just fun. And these guys are having fun because they're clearly all friends. And you're just like, yeah, I'm just hanging out with the yeah. with the boys. That's it. And I come down in the second group. That's yeah, all. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> so we, we meet Tulor. We get his whole backstory. And like, he's impressive. Is basically the gist of the backstory. Yeah, they do like a little summary and everybody's like, whoa, he did that in the 90s? And they're like, uh, he did that in five years. Yeah, like, like... We, we're only up to 96. <laughs> and then, yeah, the whole story about robbing the yacht. And they're like, how do you how do you steal a 200-foot yacht? And they're like, well, they know, but they're not telling. Yeah. And like <laughs> part of that, I think, it, again, like part of that works in terms of like, well, this guy's like kind of mysterious and like, oh my God. The other part is sort of it's like, we don't need an explanation. Yeah. Who, who cares how you steal a 200-foot yacht? The fact is that the character did it. Like, it, we don't need the ins and outs of it. Yeah. And yes, we then meet Vincent Castle, or probably Vincent Cassell, I guess. We meet Vincent Cassell as Tulluer. And in a movie with Clooney, Pitt, Damon, Don Cheadle, all these guys where you're just like, God damn, they are some of the coolest actors in Hollywood at this moment. Vincent Cassell comes on the scene and you're just like, this guy blows them all out of the water. My God. I think that's why I just love him so much. Because he comes in and is just like, I'm one guy. I'm going to take on a love of you guys. Like the insurance guy who was talking to my mentor says you guys are the best. No, I'm the best. I'm going to challenge you guys. And if you win, I'll pay off your debt. But if not... Oh well, I've I've won. <laughs> like I just like he's just like the he's framed so perfectly because the scene where we meet him and then we're introduced to all the things he's done. I think he's walking through like villas and casinos and whatnot, and every time it cuts, there's a new woman on his yeah. arm, and he gets in the fucking coolest car I've ever seen, and he's living in the greatest house I've ever seen. And he, he looks immaculate. Yeah. And you're just like, that is how you introduce a character. Like, yeah. I get it now. <laughs> I fully understand who this guy is. And he's actually a baron or something yeah, he's, because he's, his mom's side. Yeah. Like... He's, his father was a French industrialist and his mother was Italian nobility. Yeah. And, and he's bored. Yeah. He's like the thing. Of, like, that's why he's a thief is because he's actually just bored with all the money and privilege that he already has. <laughs> And you're just if like, only. this guy is just incredible. And then you introduce the fact that he does martial arts. Yes. <laughs> of course he does. Who is this guy? <laughs> like, that's the thing I think about these movies where it's like, Tallur himself could be the main character of an entire franchise. Oh, yeah. And in this, he quite literally shows up an hour into the movie and is only in the movie for an hour. And I, I think he comes back in 13 as well, doesn't he? Yes. For a little bit. So he, in 13, is spying on all the guys. Right. Trying to steal the five diamonds or right, whatever the necklaces right, are. Right, right, right. Um, he then doesn't know that the guys are then watching him. Right. So, yeah. I just, like, 
he's incredible. He's oh, in, he's awesome. He's, like, I he's the antagonist, I suppose, and like whatever. But I don't even know if he's necessarily a villain. He does break rule number one, where he he gives all their information to Benedict, and that's how he finds all the guys, which you know you're not supposed to do. But yeah, I just love every scene with him. I'm like, oh, this is this is a highlight of the movie. I think he's just so confident. So like, I think it's at the end of the movie, he's coming home and George Clooney and Julia Roberts are sitting out on his patio. And he thinks he's won. And he, he, thinks, th- he's, he thinks he's won he's the challenge. He's convinced it, yeah. that he's won. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'll tell you how I did it. If you guys say that I'm the greatest and stuff. And like, that's all he wants. He just yeah. wants them to say that he's the greatest. And the two of them kind of whisper and they're like, well, you tell us first. And then we'll tell you that you're the greatest and stuff. And like, yeah, like he's just and, but like that, so kind of like confident, but like he can cross that line into cocky. Oh, he's but arrogant. Then he like... He's arrogant for sure. <laughs> but he's also like, he's, he can back it up. He's yeah. got the resume. I, I, I do love though, like that when he tells them how he robbed the Fabergé egg, they, I think there is a recognition from them to be like, holy shit, like this yeah. guy is actually the best. He just happened to rob a replica. Yeah. We'd already stolen the real thing. But like the fact that he did all the things that they had previously set up as impossible to do. Like, yeah, he is the best. The scene where he's going through the main lobby or wherever with the lasers. All I could think about was I've recently been to Activate in Burlington. And it's kind of just like a big arcade place for adults. There is a laser field room. And I could not get past the first level where you quite literally just need to walk behind the laser. <laughs> so what, what you're saying is... So like, I would not be able to steal the Fabergé egg. Yeah, you're not stealing the Coronation <laughs> Fabergé egg. Or now that you're on record as saying you couldn't do it, you'd be the perfect person to go do That's it. That's true. <laughs> You've already said that you couldn't possibly do it. At the end, we obviously get the reveal yeah. that... There never was an egg to steal. Or or not the real well, thing anyways. Yes. They had stolen it before it really got anywhere. <laughs> They'd stolen it before it ever got to the museum that it was going to. They they stole it on the on the train as it was on its way there. Because you love this movie, I imagine that you don't care yeah. that this sort of twist reveal happens towards the end of the movie. No, I I kind of enjoy it because why I said at the beginning that I find it so smart is the Ocean's crew are told, well, Tulur is going to be watching you. Yeah. So you guys actually have to do the heist. Like, go for it. Do all the planning. Do all the things. Do whatever. And they do. Because if they didn't sell it, he would know something's up. Something's wrong. Yeah. And then he would kind of probably figure it out. But because they're distracting him over here, yep. they're able to steal it. Before he realizes he wasn't told that the real egg was going on the train. And I think it's supposed to be the mentor that yeah, actually gives them that information. Lamarck, right? yeah. And stuff. And so he totally believes that he's done the thing and has won. And then all of a sudden you can just see his face when I think Clooney gives him the news. And he's kind of just there being like, I've been screwed over by my own guy. Like. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, we'll get to the Lamarck stuff in a minute because I do have some Notes. thoughts or whatever around the whole thing. But, yeah, I, I like, I have no problem with it. No. I have no problem with it because by that stage in the movie, I've already clued in on the fact that, like, okay, this isn't, this isn't Eleven. They're not doing the same thing. They're doing something slightly different here. Yeah. I think you then, the the added benefit is the twist of, the authorities who come over from America to sort of like the, the, the entire oceans crew has been picked up arrested. Yeah. Including Julia Roberts, who we should get to that scene, but including <laughs> Julia Roberts and then American authorities come over and they, you know, take them all out of jail. And you realize that it's actually Matt Damon's mother. Yeah. Who's posing as like an FBI agent or a CIA agent or whatever she's posing as. And so you get that reveal of like, oh, this is kind of part of the plan. Yeah. Was that they were all to get arrested and then released by Matt Damon's mom. Like, 
he had obviously thought of this or come up with this part of the plan or whatever. And then you get the the realization or the whatever, you get the reveal from the twist of like, oh, there there was no egg yeah. there. They had already robbed the egg days before. And so I think like when you put both of them together, you're sort of like, oh, I'm happy with that. Like I'm fine yeah. with that. And I think because there's for sure at least one, maybe a few others, where they cut to the backpack. Yeah. And stuff. And so you are supposed to kind of see it and be like, well, why are they just... Yeah, like, like what is that backpack? Why? Yeah. Like, why are you cutting to that? And then at the end, once they show you that, well, that's the backpack that has the egg, it's kind of like, oh, like, they had it just under his nose the whole time. They were showing like, us the whole time. Yeah, like, we don't know what's in there, but they were showing it to us. The Julia Roberts scene. <laughs> Do you want to get to Julia Roberts playing Julia Roberts? Yeah, so... <laughs> This was another sticking point for a lot of comments that I saw where they're like, that was the dumbest shit ever. And like, that's just so self-indulgent. And like, it's just, it's just too much. I think that's when a lot of people were sort of like, you've, you've pushed it too far. As part of the plan, for anyone who hasn't seen Ocean's 12, as part of the plan, there are a few hints throughout the movie of Matt Damon being like, don't you think Tess looks like dot, dot, dot. And everybody that he says this to is like, do not finish that sentence. She hates it. She hates that that gets brought up. Don't say that, especially to her. Everybody gets arrested. They need to come up with a plan. He brings in Tess to play Julia Roberts. (laughs) Yes. I don't care. I love it. I think it's funny. I find it so funny because they pick her up at the hotel or sorry, they pick her up at the airport and she immediately is like, you guys all lied to me. Like, what's actually going on? And so all the guys come clean and say, Danny's been picked up, but, like, he's fine. Don't worry about him. But, like, we need your help for the next part of the plan. And they just give her the clothes and a pillow and say, put this under your shirt. <laughs> and she's like, who am I supposed to be? Like, she's yeah. just kind of like, I need you to say this for me. If you want me to be a part of this plan, actually tell me the plan now. And then when it kind of blows up because Bruce Willis makes an appearance in the movie. That is one of the points where I'm like, I don't know if we needed Bruce Willis. Like, they could have really done the plan and then Isabel could have been like, aren't you left-handed? Yeah. And they could have caught her at the end. But yeah, I don't know if we needed Bruce Willis there. I think the Bruce Willis thing, though, for me, just goes into them having fun. Like, they probably filmed this, what, over eight weeks, nine weeks? Oh, probably longer than that. Or whatever. Yeah, like probably longer than that. So, like, they probably spent a summer in Europe. Yeah. Like, why not have Bruce Willis there? Maybe he was there doing another film. Bruce and Willis like... definitely did, like, one day of work. Yeah. And, like, good for him. <laughs> like, that's great. But, I, yeah, I don't know if we needed Bruce Willis. But the rest of the plan, I love it. I think that's great. And, like, her having them trying to explain to her who Julia Roberts is and yeah. the way she talks and... Like, trying to give her all of this backstory. (laughs) And the fact that she was pregnant, apparently, at the time. And running through rice paddies. And, like... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, it did get a bit ridiculous. But for me, it just goes into, like, the fun of the movie. Yeah. So... I think it just, like, it keeps that tone. And, like, if they hadn't had a sort of a few sprinkles, a few breadcrumbs before... They tried to do the Julia Roberts as Julia Roberts thing. I think it would have been sort of like, wait, what are you doing now? Yeah. But because Linus brings it up a couple times before that, you are sort of like, is he about to say that Tess looks like Julia Roberts? And then they eventually get Tess to be Julia Roberts. And you're like, oh, yeah. this all, I'm happy with this all works. I don't care. Now, this is your favorite and we both love this series. Yeah. Is there anything that you wanted more from 12? Maybe a little bit. On the Lamarck stuff. I have the exact same note. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I found so many people talk about him. And even the first, I don't know, only in the last five minutes do you actually see his face. Yeah. But every other time you see him, you only kind of see the back of him or like the front shadow almost or whatever. And every time I was just like, I just need a little bit more on... How you're connected to all the guys, like, how do you know them? Clearly, you guys have met at some thing and have realized yeah. that you're all thieves and con men and stuff. Like, how did you fall in with Tallure? How, like, I just, yeah, more on him. Well, that that's my biggest thing is that in this movie, I think more so than Eleven. Eleven, there might have been a tiny, tiny bit. Like, they all obviously knew 
who to get for certain jobs in 11. Yeah. Um, in this one, though, we're kind of introduced to this, like, history of thieves. And, you know, you they, they're sitting around and they're sort of like, oh, so-and-so did this in the 60s. And, they're, and everyone in the room knows exactly who that is yeah. and what they did. And so you're sort of like, oh, this is a little bit like sports. Where, like, I'm sure, like... Greatest hits, almost. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm sure, like, you know, you could get a group of NFL quarterbacks sitting in a room. And they could just, like, start rattling off quarterbacks from, like, the 50s and the 60s who were doing things that, like, me sitting at home would be like, I have no idea who they're talking about. And so that's where we learn about this guy, Lamarck, who is widely regarded as the greatest thief of all time. And, you know, was pulling off jobs that nobody thought was possible. And then mysteriously disappeared. And, like, some people think he's dead and some people think he might be alive and just in hiding. Some Some people people thought he died twice some people yeah yeah. like some people were sort of like he either died this year in this place or this year in that place like we we literally don't know what really happened to him and that's who we learn a is the person who trained Tulur. i honestly think like you're asking there how did they connect i think Tulur is just so rich and so powerful that he kind of sought him out that he sought him out and then obviously showed some sort of promise that Lamarck was like, okay, like whatever, I'll take you under my wing. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the secrets. As for his connection with Danny and Rusty and all of them, I do think there is a bit of a like game recognizes game. Like, okay, because they're all thieves, they might not run in the same social circles, but like they would know people who know the same people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so the whole thing with Lamarck sort of telling them. In, in a meeting, like where the real egg is going to be and how it's going to be transported and all that sort of stuff. One, I think that's because he knows that Rusty has the connection with Isabel. Okay. And so I, that like, it's never explained why he gives the information to Danny and Rusty about where the egg is. I think there is a little bit of like, he doesn't like that Tulur gave their information to Benedict because that is, like, we're, we're told at the very beginning, like, that's rule number one. You yeah. don't do that to another thief. So I think Lamarck, as maybe an old school guy, sort of like, nah, it's a no-go. You, you don't do that. But I do think the second part is that there is a connection between Rusty and, and Isabel. And we learn at the end of the movie that Lamarck is her father, who she thought died or, or ran when off. When she was nine or when something. When she was a very young girl. That's why she hates thieves. Because she learned that he was one. And I think, yeah, like it is a sort of like, I'll help you get the egg, but you have to bring my daughter to me and so that we can reconnect. And I like I think it works. I just wanted more. I wanted more of like, just, like the history and, you know, where they're getting all this information from and sort of like, oh, like this job and that, you know what I mean? Like five minutes, I think, would have yeah. just like, yeah. just five minutes, a little bit more on him would have for me just like, connected a few more of the dots yeah any last things for oceans 12 so i tend not to pick up on this but i did love the music in this movie oh music great <laughs> it's like jazzy european 60s stuff and you're just like fuck this I is think fantastic because like there's not a lot of lyrics if i kind of really remember correctly it's a lot of just instrumental yeah but like the instrumentals just like totally fit every scene perfectly for me so there is the moment where um, Danny goes to meet Talur for the first time. Yeah. To sort of be like, you know, we got your message. All that sort of shit. And Talur gives him the challenge. And Danny was sort of like, he was leaving. Like, he, he sort of really didn't want what Talur was selling. And then Talur is like, I'll, if you beat me in this challenge, I'll pay your debt to Benedict for you. And... There is a moment where, like, he stops, George Clooney stops, and then turns, and he says, like, what are we stealing? And as soon as he delivers that line, there's this, like, boom, 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 kicks in, (laughs) and I was just, like, standing and applauding. I was like, here we fucking go. Like, now the game is on. And I, like, I went and listened to that song afterwards, and I was like, yeah, this is, this is just great music. So for, because I think at the beginning of this, you said some people think, the movie started an hour later than it actually did. For people, is that where the movie That's like, where the starts? movie starts. Because cause that's like, okay, everything up to that point has kind of now been irrelevant. Okay. Once that moment starts, you're sort of like, none of that was necessary. <laughs> we could have just immediately gone 
to the Night Fox and had the challenge, and then the movie could have been the challenge. I say to those people, do you not want to have fun? Yeah. Do you not want to explore Amsterdam and things like, like, come on, let's just have a good time. Let's have a good time. I think it would have been, would have been too quick or something. Like it would have felt funny to me if they landed in Europe and immediately met the Night Fox. Like, I think for me, they needed a little like interlude almost. Yeah. I think like, like, like what you could have done is like, you would have had Benedict round them all up. They obviously would have taken off to Europe because they, they can't work in America. They're too hot to work in America. Matsui then could have been like, you need to meet yeah. the Night Fox. I'm, I've been working for this guy. You need to meet him. And then Night Fox could give him a challenge. And then you just would have had a two-hour movie of them That's true. not stealing the Fabergé egg. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like... I like this. Yeah, me too. I like that we get an hour of one thing and we get an hour of something else <laughs> and it's all fun. My question for you though, thinking about it now, Matsui ends up getting picked up yeah. kind of in the middle of the movie and Catherine Zeta-Jones' character goes in. What What does she say to him? I have no idea. <laughs> that is one of the stranger moments because you're sort of like, I this don't- This big man has broken down because a woman said something to him. Yeah, but What did also, she say? <laughs> it's also like, I don't know if he necessarily had that much information. Like- he gives like he gives them the job because he knows the night fox is going to beat them and yeah. and then bring them in on this other thing but like i don't necessarily know if he has that much information where it's sort of like why is he breaking down like this yeah. like i don't know but i guess the implication is it's something to do with this niece that he apparently oh, deeply yes. loves and and matt damon offended um but it's sort of like it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter like that's just a moment for isabel because we hear the the two other police officers being like, you know, this guy's a brick wall. Like she'll yeah. she'll need a year to break him down, and she breaks him down in ten seconds. Yeah. So I think it's just a moment for her. But yeah, it's sort of like, what could she have possibly said? Every time I watch it, I'm always just like, what did you say? <laughs> Should we tease next week? So first watch for me. Another first watch for you. Yeah. It's you know, I did think about this, and we weren't necessarily planning this out like that. But because we've done an Oceans movie with this huge cast of characters. I did notice that he, there's a guy from Oceans and in this one. Yeah. So this, <laughs> we've now done two George Clooney movies. We've done two Brad Pitt movies. And next year, <laughs> next week will be our second Casey Affleck movie. Yeah. Uh, so we might need to get away from the Oceans cast for a few weeks. Um, but it is just, they're so, it's so big. Like, I don't, you know, how do you get away from them? I don't know. We haven't really done Casey Affleck though. In a lead role. No. So. And this was kind of his first movie where he really showed that like, oh shit, this guy could, he might be the better Affleck. Oh. He might be the better Affleck. Oh, we'll have to talk about that next week. So we'll we'll get into (laughs) that next week. So when we see everybody next week, that's what we'll be talking about. See you then.